Hey, welcome to Just Punkin' Up. I'm your host, Andy Harrison. Thanks for joining me on this beautiful, rad, gnarly, dudical podcast. I interview some cool dudes that I've always wanted to talk to. And uh, yeah, I sound like an idiot right now, but whatever. Um, Jim Williams. He is a guy who's been in a lot of bands in Reno, and I work with him. He was walking around as the new guy, and I was like, how do I know you, man? And we got to talking and ended up, he had played in Greystone way back in the day, and uh, I thought it was uh, pretty awesome that we crossed paths finally. And uh, we talk all the time about music, and I thought he'd be a really cool guy to interview, and uh, he was, man. He's in a band called The Scattering, was in a band called Twice, super hardcore and um yeah let's listen to this interview thanks for talking to me jim i appreciate it jim williams correct yep that's your last name that is my last name all right and uh i don't know you at all hold on this thing (laughs) (laughs) i don't know you at all except for um you know you started working at, at uh at cube and i was like i feel like i know this guy like looks so familiar and then we just got to talking, and we kind of know a lot of the same people. And, you know, it turns out that you were in a band with somebody that I know and this and that. So it was like, I want to talk to you. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I feel like you were around the scene the same time I kind of started coming around. I was, but then I left for so long. Right. That's why I didn't don't know who didn't know who Mark Ernest was. Like, But he's been in the scene forever. Right. Don't know, like, you know, a lot of people that have been in the scene because I was just gone for years you know what i mean so right, right. now i'm just kind of coming back but anyway let's talk about how did you like where'd you grow up in reno in reno yeah i was okay. born here and then when did you like start discovering music do you remember like an aha moment um i was always into music i had older brothers and sisters who were like way way older than me yeah and so they always had like their tape collections yeah. around the house. So I grew up listening to like Led Zeppelin and Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, the first like aha moment I think I can remember was I went into Mirabelli's at the old Park Lane Mall and I bought Kiss Alive 2 and Rush 2112. And those are like the first records I bought with my very own money. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's like the start of my record collection. So why those? Why those records? Do you remember? The Kiss record because of the record cover. Yeah. Um, what is that cover? It's just them on stage with the costumes oh, okay. and fireworks yeah. all over the place and everything. Uh, and then the Rush record, because my brother had it and I liked it. Yeah. Do you um, recall, well, like, did you come from a musical family? Or no. You guys? No, not, not at, at all. all. Yeah, my like my only early exposure to music was just my older siblings. Yeah. Yeah, that's good, too. My, my brother was the same way. Like, all, he, he was overseas and in Germany for... Um, the military and he would bring stuff back and you know older brothers are always like key for for music you know because my i mean um your parents didn't listen to music around the house or anything or it's just not just like like christmas music yeah. and stuff like that <laughs> nothing yeah nothing good yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so what um what genre are you into i mean are you into punk rock yeah I is like, that like I, I mean, you're kind of I discovered punk in high school. I was sitting out by the bus stop. Um, I was kind of like a loner kid. They didn't really have a ton of friends. And there was this other kid that was always at the same bus stop, and he had all this stuff, like like hand-drawn band logos all over his binder and stuff, and we would chat. 
And like he turned me on to like Bad Brains and Minor Threat and stuff like that. And that was my first introduction to like to that whole world. Yeah. And then I just kind of got obsessed with it from there. And so it was like it was it was kind of a uh, it was punk rock that kind of turned you into to love and music or was it just kind of everything in general? You know, I before before meeting that kid and discovering punk, I listened to a lot of metal. I, yeah, I had two tapes when I in my freshman year of high school. I had uh, an Iron Maiden tape and a Nuclear Assault tape, and I would just listen to those over and over and over again on the yeah. bus because I didn't want to talk to anybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. like right. deal with any of that. So yeah. I would just put my headphones on and blast Iron Maiden. And yeah, that's cool. Work my way through the day. <laughs> yeah. Do you uh, were you going to any shows back then? No, yeah, I was a super late bloomer when it came to going to shows. Like, I was already out of high school. I think okay. I was, like, 18 or 19 before I went to my first show. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, because I was working at I was working at Mirabelli's, which was kind of fun because I'd spent so much time there buying tapes oh, and yeah. buying records and stuff. How'd you, get the, how'd you get the job? Then? I just went in and asked if they needed anybody, and they... It's like a dream job. Yeah, it was, and you know I ended I mean? up working there for almost 16 years. I was there... I was there the very last day when they closed the gate for the last time. Wow. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I was working there and all these hardcore kids, all these straight edge kids were coming in and passing out flyers and dropping off like their demo tapes and stuff like yeah. that. And uh, this other kid, Brian Wilgamuth, who was in Fall Silent, invited me to a show. Um, this was before Fall Silent existed. But oh, okay. It was, uh, it was actually kind of the... The band right before Fall Silent was called New Blood, and that was the very first show I ever saw. It was it was New Blood, Bludgeoned. I want to say like four fifty four Big Block or some like something like that. It's yeah. one of the East Coast like hardcore tough guy bands. Yeah. But, was that like? Were you into hardcore at that time? Or was no, that, that like, was like oh hey, like the closest I had come to hardcore at that point was like. The Minor Threat tapes and Bad Brains and Black Flag and stuff like that. Yeah. So when did you um, start, like, dabbling with being a singer? Like, because you're in The Scattering, right? Right. Is it Scattering or The Scattering? The Scattering. The Scattering. All, all lowercase. Which is super hardcore, you know what I mean? Like, how did you start, like, how did you, you know, fall into playing music? Cause you don't play any, do you play any instruments or anything? Yeah, I play guitar. Yeah. But when, when did you start doing that stuff around that time? Um, so I started going to a lot more of the hardcore shows, especially ones that local bands were on. Yeah. Um, I, I got really interested in this idea of like people my age doing this, this cool thing, like yeah. being in bands yeah. and like touring and putting out demo tapes and all this cool stuff. And I yeah. was really fascinated with it. And, um, there was a venue in town, uh, Casa Margaritas. Yeah. Was, uh, do you remember Casa Margaritas? Uh, my wife went to so many shows there yeah. back in the so, day. I, I know the name for sure. Um, at some point, they opened up the back room of it, and it was like a legit venue. So the restaurant was like just by itself out front, and then the, the venue was in the back, and Integrity came through, and I was just blown away yeah like, it was one of the coolest things i'd ever seen yeah. it was just so crazy and i ended up talking to dwid the vocalist from integrity for probably 35 or 40 minutes that night oh yeah um and then like two years later they came back and they played 
I don't remember if it was that same venue or a different venue, but uh, he remembered my name. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. 19, 20 year old kid. Yeah, that's and like some dude from a bit. Like, how many people did Dwid meet in the two years yeah. between playing Reno? And he remembered my name, and I was just like, well, this is the thing I'm doing for the rest of my life. That's cool. So, yeah. So, really, it, integrity was. And the, they're not the catalyst. They're not a local band. There. Oh no, they're, they're from Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that was the. So that was kind of it. Where you're like, I want in. Yeah. Well, I just I wanted to. It made me feel so cool. Like yeah. being this weird loner kid that yep. didn't have a ton of friends, and then here's this guy from this crazy band who's like records I own and T-shirts I wear, and he walks into the club and he knew my name. Yeah. And we talked for half an hour two years prior. Yeah. And uh, I decided right then and there that I wanted to be that person for some other kid down the line. Yeah. Like I wanted some friendless kid to be like, yo, the guy from this band remembered my name. Yeah. Um, And so that's, and I think I started my first band probably three weeks after that show. And what was, what was it? What did you do? Uh, We were called Filth Upon Filth. Okay. uh, Which was actually stolen from an integrity lyric. (laughs) Um, Get this mic right in front of you. Oh, okay. Just in case. And, uh, we only ended up playing, I think, three shows ever, and we never recorded okay. or did anything like that. But who was in it? Who was in the band? Do you remember? Oh God! <laughs> was it just? It was like the, the guitar player was this kid named stuff. Brian. Um, man, it was so long ago now. Yeah. I, I don't remember all their names. Yeah, and it it was so short lived. Yeah. Like we were only a band for maybe six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so then what happened after that? So after that, uh, twice started. Yeah, how did that come about? So initially, we were this weird like drum machine band. Okay. It was me, uh, my buddy Matt Lowe. Everybody knows him as Tiny. Okay. Um, and uh, this guitar player, Alex White. Um and we just had a drum machine. And so me and Alex would program all the beats and whatever. And we went and recorded a demo at our friend Tony's house. With the drum machine? With the drum machine, okay. yeah. Um, and Tony Jensen, he's currently he's in like 12 Gates Facelift. And, um, oh, shoot, I'm losing the name of his first band. And we're actually playing with him on Friday. I feel like such a dick. <laughs> I can't remember. We'll latest look. fashion. Okay. The latest fashion. Um but at the time, he was in a band called Gut Bomb. Okay. And, uh, or maybe it was like just after Gut Bomb split up. But it was, there was a little bit of overlap. But he dug the songs that we were playing and he decided he wanted to join too. And then we ended up meeting this drummer named Darren. We were all helping Tom Gordon build his new studio, Emirage Sound Labs. Was it, so was it while he was here, or was this gone by then? I think this was gone by then, oh, and okay. he, he, he was building this new place. And so we helped with some of the demo and building in like the tracking room and yeah. stuff like that. We met this guy, Darren, who was a drummer, and played him the drum machine demo, and he was into it. Yeah. So we ended up just starting the band. And then, you know, people left and... You know, uh, I think we went through three different bass players, yeah. and then Alex left at one point, and we just kept it as one guitar. We just it was just uh, a four piece yeah. from then forward. What were you guys like? I remember. I mean, we were talking at work, you know, a while ago, and it ends up that you played in, you know, at Greystone, the basement that 
you know, I was living at and having punk shows with Even Ground, and Tiny was a huge part of that, too. And I just thought it was, like, this weird crossing of paths of, like, I don't know. I thought it was awesome. I was like, what? You played there? And I didn't remember it. But I remember Tiny's band, you know what I mean? Like, so, like, what kind of, what other shows were you guys playing at that time? Oh, god. Do you remember, like, Uh, anything that sticks out? I think one of my favorite shows that we played... And this was a little later. This yeah. was with the four-piece lineup. Um, we opened for Himza okay. from Seattle. And that one was really cool because uh, I I was a huge fan of him. I still am a huge fan of Himza. Um, but we were, you know, we were the opening local band. You yeah. don't really expect very many yeah. people to care. And then uh, all the dudes from Himza were like right in the front. It was at the old Archaic. Do you remember that place? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so it had kind of a taller stage, but not yeah. su- not like crazy tall, but like like kind of a yeah. mi- middle height stage. Right. And the whole front row was just the guys from the band we were opening for, and they're banging their heads and flipping out. It was really cool. That's cool. And then we actually did get to open for Integrity like years later. Oh, okay, did which he was, was the he, same he, guy? Same dude, yeah. Uh, but he he didn't remember me yeah, then. Yeah, but we yeah. talked about like the old Reno scene because yeah. they they came through Reno a bunch. Yeah. They were friends with Unconquered, who were like yeah, one yeah. of the bigger Reno Straight Edge bands. I was gonna ask about them. Like, were you guys yeah. playing with Unconquered and False Silent at this time? Uh, yeah. Were yeah. There, were there any other hardcore bands in Reno at that time? I those are the I, only two that I know. I feel like there must and have been. Twice. I mean, I guess it kind of depends on how you define hardcore, because December was around forever. Oh yeah, December. Uh, and they, yeah, I mean, they, they were definitely more of a metal band, but they played yeah. all the hardcore shows, and I, they played with all the hardcore bands. Yeah, I put them into a hardcore. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, I remember December. Yeah, That's they right. were great. They're still one of my favorite Reno bands ever. Yeah. So. What other venues were going on at that time? Was there FSU out on uh, towards the railroad tracks, way out on? Uh, Oh man, where all those warehouses are! Right, I went to a bunch of shows there, but we yeah, never never played. That there. was that was before, before I was in a band. Oh, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, my timing's all messed up. But I remember <laughs> seeing the gain and Zoinks there, but the stage was like, this yeah, it was high, like crazy. High. I yeah, got, it was uh, like I got my arm so broken high. there. Oh, you did? I can't remember what band was playing. I, I think it was Earth Crisis, but uh, the all the kids moshing from behind us pushed every oh, up towards geez. the front of the stage and I threw my arms up and caught like right like the middle of my forearm caught the oh edge of that gosh, super tall dude. stage and broke my arm <laughs> <laughs> yeah I remember that place yeah, but yeah. I can't really remember other places Zephyr was doing stuff back then but we're um, you know I saw High on Fire at the Zephyr which was Wild. Was that when it had like that weird balcony, like seating, like? No, well, they had like that patio. And well, there was like I remember were. where the stage was here, and then like you could go up here. There was like three or four places to sit up these steps. Oh, I re- I do remember. remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's the Zephyr I, I remember. I didn't go there very often. Yeah. Um, High on Fire played there. That yeah, place is teeny. With, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Joe something. He was in the Melvins. Huh. And he was playing bass for him on that tour, but yeah, okay. it was so everyone stood outside. It was too loud. Yeah. Oh, it was really? So crazy. Well, because they didn't hold back. Like yeah. they brought their full stage set up. Like they're all of yeah. it. Yeah. So they're a bigger band. Yeah. Than you do that. Yeah. Is and it was band. so loud. Like everybody was standing out back on the uh, on the patio. But even there, it was almost too loud. Yeah. It was like painful. <laughs> That's crazy. So did so twice. Did you guys record? So I saw. 
uh, when you showed me on Bandcamp, were those EPs or full lengths? So we did two demos. Okay. Um, and those are those drum machine demos? No, it's all with that the, one's gone. It's all with that the line drum machine yeah. demo is gone. We never even finished it because yeah. Tony decided to join and then Darren joined. Because right I mean, after. it wasn't your intent to have a drum machine. It, was it totally just, was. Oh, it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah. This, was it going to be like hardcore? Was it going to be like this industrial type um, feeling, or were you trying to make it sound real? No, it was definitely like it was obvious. It was a drum machine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was. I I've always been a fan of like a lot of the weirdo bands like you know locust and and stuff like that so it was more like that it was like almost like grindcore but with a drum machine okay but when tony and darren decided to join we scrapped all of that and just wrote all new songs and started from scratch yeah so you um yeah so tell me about the the recordings yeah so we did the two demos um which i mean for demos in the early 90s they sound fine yeah um, and then we did an EP, and then we did a split CD with a band from Sacramento area called The Subject of Us. Okay. And so, uh, who recorded these? Was it all Gordon? Uh, so Tom Gordon recorded the second demo, which I guess he could count as a full length. Okay. I mean, it's long enough to be a full length. Yeah. It's just we didn't have the money at the time to make it sound as good as it should have. Yeah. And um, that was his home studio? No, he recorded recorded that in uh, Imraj. Oh, that was uh, the studio we helped him build. Oh, yeah, okay. That was our payment. I got you. I thought thought he was building it in his house. No, no, it's over in Sparks. It's still there. Oh, it is. Yeah. Does he do stuff there still? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it's over kind of near Greg Street. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to him. Yeah. I I would love to interview him, man. I'm sure he's got a lot of. Oh, he's got great stories. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk to him. Um. But yeah, so that was how that was how he paid us back basically for yeah. helping him build was he right. recorded our our demo. Uh and then the second one was like a proper EP and the split were all recorded at Puss Cavern. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I I know that place. Yeah, it's a cool spot. Yeah. We haven't been about... we haven't been back since, but Yeah. So what were you guys did you guys tour at all? Is twice or We toured just kind of regionally. We never yeah. did any big tours yeah. like we do, you know, four or five days here, you know what I mean? But it was all, I think the furthest we went was Salt Lake City. Yeah. And did you guys, did it just fall apart, or, you know, or did you want to end it? Or um, was it like a, sh- a shitty ending? Or It was a shitty ending. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a hard story to tell yeah, because you know, the, you don't have to tell it. the just... uh, Darren, our drummer, has passed away. Yeah. And... The main reason the band split up was because he and I butted heads the whole time we were a band. Like, we never got along. We were never. Yeah. And it just came to a head one night and I quit. Yeah. And that was the end. Uh, That was the end. Yeah. The remaining members went on and started a band called Painting Gala. Okay. uh, Do you remember Swing Seven? Nah. No. Um, They were like almost like kind of a new metal y. I don't know. Something. <laughs> Something. They were cool. They were yeah. a great band. I, I, yeah. I think they should have blown up. Yeah. Honestly. When were you getting your tattoos? At about that time? Uh, yeah. I mean, I started. I got my first one just after my 18th birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. When's the last time you got one? 
maybe three months ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. So it's still, it's yeah. still happening. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm done now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The last one sucked so bad. I just, uh, yeah. I got my whole belly done. Yeah, um, that's what Carla was saying. Like, it just, just hurts now. You know? Yeah, I don't think Sitting. I need any more. I'm, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what was after, what happened after Twice? Did you want to play music or were you just like, I'm going to do something else? Or So there was some overlap. Um, I really wanted to play guitar. And so I started this band called Name Me No One, okay. where I was playing guitar and singing. Um, but there was some overlap between Twice and Name Me No One. Okay. And we recorded one full length with, uh, do you remember Justin Morales? God, I know that name. Oh, man. Anyway, he recorded our full length. Yeah. Um, came, for what it was, it came out pretty good. We weren't a very good band. Yeah. So that What, what it, was it like? Was it hardcore? Or what, were you trying something different? It was heavy and weird. Yeah. I don't even know how to describe it. Like, like Melvin's-ish weird? Heavy or yeah, yeah. I mean, the intent was for it to be kind of proggy, like Mastodon-y type stuff. Right. But none of us were that good of players. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So yeah. it just ended up being this weird. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was it was a fun band because we could play with punk bands and we could play with metal bands. Yeah. We could play with hardcore bands, and we didn't fit in with any of them. Yeah. But. It worked because yeah. we, we were just heavy enough, but also just kind of like weird enough. Yeah. Um, How long did that last? Maybe two years. Yeah. Yeah. But you you guys ever play play out of town or was it just? No, mostly, I know? think the furthest out of town we ever got with that band was uh, Susanville. Okay. We played a coffee shop really? in Susanville. Yeah. A coffee shop. Yeah. Wow, dude, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that one was that <laughs> band was really fun. So yeah. Um, do you remember Black Cross? Do you remember that band? Nah. They were, anyway, they became like Young Widows and Coliseum and all these other cool bands. Nah. But anyway, I was super into that band. Yeah. And the name, Name Me No One, is a song title of a Black Cross song. Okay. We ended up playing with Breather Resist, which is the dude who started Black Cross. It was his band right after Black Cross. Okay. And then... Breather Resist singer quit, and the remaining members of Breather Resist became the Young Widows. Yeah. So we ended up playing with them, and That's I was crazy. like so excited. I'm like, oh man, I'm playing with Ryan Patterson's band. This yeah, is yeah, so. Yeah. Or Evan. It was Evan Patterson. Uh, they're brothers. It was Ryan and Evan. Okay. So Ryan went on to do Coliseum and Photo Crime and all these other super cool projects. And then Evan was in Young Widows and a bunch of other cool stuff. Um, but I was super excited to like get to meet Evan and, and play with him. And he comes in, and he's, like, this kind of awkward, like, really tall, kind of big dude. And he's like, hey, what do, you, what do you know about this Name Me No One band? And I was like, a lot. I'm in that band. And he's like, oh, cool, cool. Did you, did you name your band after my song? I did. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's awkward. And then he's walked away. <laughs> he- <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah. I felt, oh my God. Yeah. I I didn't even want to play after that uh, point. I was just like, I don't even, let's just not do this. And then they ended up staying at my house after the show, yeah. which made it even more awkward. And so- Did it I, ever come up again? It did in the worst possible way. Oh God. So I was getting them all set up yeah. to sleep. You know, I'm like, oh, the couch folds out and there's rooms here. There's a room back there you can take. And he walks into the back room and there's this giant fucking black cross poster just like the biggest poster, and he just walks into the room and is like, "Oh my god!" 
I, I can't sleep in here. And he just walks out. And I was like, oh, it just keeps getting worse and worse. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, my um, gosh. And then we were all just sitting in the living room. We, for some reason, we started digging into, like, my VHS tapes and stuff. And yeah. We were watching all these weird old movies. And he's like, hey, man, it's cool that, that you named your band after my song. He's like, he's like, that's never happened to me before. And so it, it was weird. He's like, but it's cool, and and it was cooler that you guys didn't suck, and I'm just yeah. like, oh. okay, so good. it like ended on a good note. Yeah. But man, that was one of the most awkward and uncomfortable nights of my entire life. Yeah. I was in a band in Las Vegas, and we named ourselves Surrounded by Thieves because of the High on Fire album, and uh, we couldn't agree on a name. You know what I mean? Finally, that was it. And so uh, years later, there was this marquee, and it was like Surrounded by Thieves, and then next to it. High on Fire was playing like a couple of days later. It's just weird. That's as close as I got to, yeah. my, to your situation. But yeah, that's a weird situation. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, honestly. I mean, I. If I, it's super personal, maybe like if it was named after one of my friends or something, then I'd be upset. But it's like, there's so many words and titles and like. Yeah, um, but it was like. Like. So on their record, it's all written out as one word. Yeah. And that's our logo was all written. I mean, okay. like we directly just went, okay. we are inspired by Black Cross. That's that's <laughs> the kind of band we are. Yeah. And so and I get it. Like yeah. I would it would weird me out. Uh there was a dude not that long ago, this is maybe four or five years ago, whose Instagram handle was a twice lyric. Okay. And I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, did you know? That that's a, like a lyric from my old band. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I did it. I was like, okay. <laughs> that's weird, but all right, cool. I guess. Yeah. So I get it. Like yeah. it, it would be weird. Yeah. I think it would be weird to show up to a town I've never been in, like yeah. never even stepped foot in, and like have my song title on a flyer next to my band name. Yeah. It would be weird. So yeah. I get it, but yeah. I'm super glad that. The night ended on yeah. a positive note, so yeah. I don't like have this terrible story I know. You know? <laughs> of somebody that you really look up to. Yeah, like, that would be horrible, man. Yeah, and like I still buy his records. Like yeah. to this day, I've bought a, at least one record from every band he's ever been in. That's cool. Um, and every time I pick one up, that story pops into my head. I'm like, oh yeah, I embarrassed the shit out of myself in front of this dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did that with the drummer of Social Distortion. I I got a little too too tipsy and like my <laughs> wife finally had to be like you need to, to leave him alone you know now because i was like obsessed with social d yeah. back in the day and i'm like this guy like he doesn't understand how important this band was and <laughs> i was like okay sorry like i don't know just with, fanboy stuff oh like, yeah just totally that with that band though it kind of depends on which drummer like they had so many i know it was chris reese he was oh, okay. somewhere between heaven and hell like that's Which, yeah, that's easily the their best record me, yeah you know what i mean so that's why it was like because that was like you know one of those records that's like oh music is there's different music out there you know what i mean so i was just i don't know it was awesome but anyway w w speaking of records were you like into record collecting back then yeah yeah i uh and I still have a bunch of the records. I, I kind of made it a point every time I saw a touring band, I wanted a record. I didn't yeah. really care that much about the T-shirt or, or anything like that. I wanted the record, yeah. you know, and it, it, always, it would always bum me out. You go talk to a band like, oh, yeah, we don't yeah, have a record. Have yeah. Like, what are you even doing? Yeah. Um, so was, did it start during the around twice when you guys were playing, like wanting these records from bands? 
It started earlier than that because I like I I have like all the old Reno seven inches and oh, okay. twelve inches and stuff like yeah. that from all the bands that I saw. You know, I've got yeah. all the the Zoink stuff and New Blood and Bludgeon and yeah. the Unconquered seven inch and yeah. all the Fall Silent stuff from back then. I even still have the first Fall Silent demo tape. That's cool. Which is really cool. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So yeah, it was it was just kind of a thing where anytime I went to see a band. I wanted a record or a tape yeah. or a CD or something, you know, that I could listen to. Yeah. I didn't really. I mean, I have a bunch of band T-shirts too. Yeah, but, for sure. But my primary thing was always I wanted the record. Yeah, and so then you just kind of, because I mean I was the same way too. And then it just once you start making money, you can actually buy more and more and more, and it kind of just turns into this, <laughs> turns into this thing. Yeah, so, so I made a huge mistake um, in the early 2000s. I sold probably 90% of my records. Yeah. Like, I kept all the stuff that was super important to me, but yeah. I went down from probably, like, 1,000 LPs to, like, 100. Yeah. And now, you know, you go back and you look on Discogs, you're like, oh, yeah. I, I had that record, yeah. and now it's $300. Like, if I want to try to get it again, it's, like, $300. So, you know, the... How how was it working at a record store? Because by then it was mostly CDs, right? Yeah, they there was it was, was there almost all CDs and cassettes by yeah. that point. Yeah, so there, there was, was some no vinyl, vinyl here and there, yeah. and we could order, you know, stuff. Yeah. If a band I liked put out a record, yeah, I could order it for personal purchase, but yeah. we didn't have like a spot in right. the store for vinyl. Because I remember like right around '98 is when I moved to Reno, and I remember like insurrection resurrection or whatever it was then would i would buy records there you know what i mean yeah and recycled so i think it was like kind of coming back at that point but it still wasn't like it is now it's just i feel like, like it never really went away like it didn't but i mean for me personally yeah i was just like cds thousands of cds right you know i mean like that's what i was buying and then it started to move away from that and go you know start really researching or just falling in love with vinyl you know what i mean that's what it was you know so but i i don't think it was like easily available back then you know no I mean? but i mean i guess it depended on what you were into like at the especially around that era like all i was listening to was punk and hardcore i didn't yeah. really veer too far out of that so that like punk bands always had vinyl was, that was it cheaper easy. to make Records is that why so many people did like seven inches and stuff back then on, on I think, records? I think it probably was. Yeah, it must have been. I think. I, mean, I think Bob Conrad said something about that because it's just like because I think about all the seven inches I have like Zoinks and all them like why weren't they just making little CDs? You know, right. like CD singles because now you order them they're like a buck each. It's so crazy. How, yeah, how cheap I know they for are, a while so. there like and I was definitely one of those kids too where it was just like. I always wanted the vinyl. I didn't care like yeah. about the CD or anything. Like, yeah, you know, I was always bummed out if a band didn't have their new record on vinyl right. and they only had the CD. Yeah, because um, I think that's that was probably a big driving force for it, especially with the punk and hardcore bands. Was just kids didn't want CDs. Yeah. kids wanted records. Yeah, yeah. So when did you? Uh, what was after the second band? What was next? So then, and there was a little overlap here, too, between naming no one. Um, I played guitar in a band with my still best friend, Ryan Start, called Guns Down. Okay. Um, and it was just super fast, like, 
punk. Yeah. Like, there was no other way. It was just like, you know, we covered Minor Threat, we covered Black Flag, but yeah. all of our original songs sounded like Minor Threat and yeah. Black Flag too. <laughs> so Were you singing like, in that one? No, I was just, just playing just guitar. guitar. Yeah, it was just um, Ryan sang, my nephew Josh played bass, and then his best friend at the time, Pat Sutton, um, you probably know, everybody knows Pat. He's in Drag Me face. Under. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. He owns Maxwell's Barbershop. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, he played drums for us. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, and actually, our second drummer, uh, you definitely know, was Jeff from our work. What? Yeah, Jeff played drums in my band for... Little Jeff? Yeah. I didn't think he was that good of a drummer, was he? Good is enough he? for a punk band. He's a good drummer. He is? Yeah, yeah, I've yeah. only seen him with that weird robot band. I can't remember what Oh, Prince band. Robot? Yeah. Yeah, they were I only great. saw him once. I love that you band. You know what I mean? Yeah, they were great, they were great, but I was just like... It, was a, it wasn't like super straight up hardcore punk, you know what I mean? Like, no, and he's not... Like, he's not into punk that much, like... So oh, it was, okay. it was like a weird thing. Like he did a great job. He, yeah. When we when we finally ended up recording, we recorded after we broke up. Basically, we recorded all of the songs. Yeah. And so on the CD, Pat plays on four of the songs and Jeff plays on four of the songs. Oh, okay. And you can tell, like you can hear. Yeah. Who's, a little bit who's playing? Well, because Pat did like double <clears throat> kick and Jeff only does single oh, kick. Okay. And so <laughs> you can definitely hear, like, just stylistically, you can hear the differences yeah. between the two drummers, but. He was in he was in the band for I don't know probably a year okay like the last year where, that we were a band where did you guys record with Justin again okay. same place yeah okay. that's cool so it did that band didn't last long or no it, was, it wasn't that serious or was it just more for fun or were you guys like we wanted it to be serious yeah. it just never took off like yeah. we did one little tour um, very little I think it was only like four shows yeah um, but I mean we. We would have liked for it to have been serious, but like at the time, Pat and Josh were still in high school. Yeah, Ryan and I were both significantly older, um, and so it just wasn't. Yeah, it just wasn't gonna like the stuff we could do, they couldn't. Yeah, the stuff they you. could do, we couldn't. Yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So what was what was next after that? Nothing for a long time. Yeah, uh, and then the scattering. Why? Why? Why nothing? Did you just want to take a break from it, or was it by um, choice, or you just? Exploring other stuff, or I got I got kind of burnt out yeah. on playing music for a while. Um, it's it's just so much work, like yeah, booking the shows, finding booking the recording time, doing making the flyers, trying to get people to give a shit. Yeah, you know it's 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 really taxing. And then, um, like I tried to start a couple of bands in between there, but like. We didn't mesh, or yeah. nobody wanted to practice, or yeah. you know what I mean. Like, um, and then the scattering just sort of fell into place. It was just a bunch of friends that wanted to, and like, it's kind of wild because like, what we, you know, when you when you get to start talking about starting a band, you know, you're in that like early phase. You're like, oh hey, you play bass and I play guitar and you can play yeah. drums. Yeah. And you're always like, oh, well, maybe, you know, we want to be like this kind of band or that kind yeah. of band. Or what if we're influenced by this band? Right. And then it never sounds like right. that. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> like, yeah. And that is yeah. exactly what, like the scattering at our first practice, 
we were like, oh, we want to do like melodic hardcore, like Rise Against or Boy Sets Fire or something yeah. like this. And then you've just, heard us. Yeah. We're just not even close. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So do, was it your intent to be the singer? Yeah. Or was it just, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it just kind of turned into something. Um, it just it just formed its, its own sound, really. Yeah. And it was, so the original lineup was Jason Joe, who still plays guitar. Uh, John Benson, who you probably know, he's been in a bunch of local bands. I don't know. I'd have to see a face. Yeah. Um, he was in Hate Recorder Gosh. most recently. No. Nah. Um, anyway, good dude. Backed hard. Yeah. Love that guy. Yeah. Um, and then he found this kid, Josh, who I'm still friends with to this day. Um, and then I brought in my old friend, Brian, who used to play drums in Dorcia. Okay. And we just started, just started melding, playing, yeah. and it was just like John had all these ideas, like, oh, I want us to sound like this or like this or like this, but he couldn't, like, beyond explaining it, he couldn't like make his bass articulate it. And then Jason was just like, oh, I got you, I know what you want. And then Jason would play the riff, and John, yeah, yeah just like that. And then yeah, they would yeah. kind of riff off each other. Um, Jason's the the king of like writing riffs. Like, yeah. you tell that kid. I want to write a song that sounds like this. And the next week he's like, here's a song that sounds like that. That's awesome. Um, and it's like, you know, not everybody has that. Like it's yeah. hard to write a song. Yeah. Not, not everybody can do it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of musicians need a Jason in their life. Who's like the writer. Yes. You know, and then like John's a fantastic bass player. He's an amazing bass player, but writing as a bass player is more difficult than writing as a guitar player. Yeah. So we would all kind of lean pretty heavy on Jason to like bring the riffs, and then we would rearrange them and move stuff around to yeah. create the sound that we were looking for. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, John left, and we got a number of different bass players that didn't work out for whatever reason. Yeah. And then Josh left, um, and I just I couldn't bring myself to replace Josh. Yeah. Like I love that dude. Yeah. And it just wasn't. It didn't feel right. To like, oh, we'll just put a new John. You know, like you have to have a bass player. Like yeah. I, I didn't want to replace John, but yeah. you can't have a metal band without a bass player. Right. <laughs> you could do it with only one guitar. And yeah, so it was yeah. just like I wasn't super motivated to replace Josh. Um, so we put all of the writing burden onto poor Jason. Yeah. But and then we found Rosh. Uh, and he's been in the band now five years. Yeah. And it's, I feel like this is the lineup that it was always supposed to be. Yeah. And no, no disrespect to anybody who was in the band before, but right. I feel like it became like a fully realized band when yeah. it was me, Brian, Raj. How long Jason. have you guys been together? How long has the Scattering been a band? Almost eight years. Really? Yeah. And how many recordings do you guys have? Uh, two, three. You got the full length that's on the record. Yeah. You have the full length that we put out on vinyl. We did a single uh, called Western Weapons Never Drown at Sea, and that was actually supposed to be on a comp for a charity comp. Okay. And we got to go down and record at Atomic Garden with Jack Shirley. I don't know that. Oh, man. That place is – he's done is so it? many cool records. It's down in, like, Bay Area, okay. East Bay. And who is – what has he done? Uh, all, like, the Death Heaven records okay. and, like, a bunch of stuff. So for Death pretty, Wish. pretty yeah. important. Like, yeah, yeah, high yeah. End. Yeah, and he's, like – he's got – He's got credits that, like, 
I have a lot of records that how Jack's did that, worked on. How did that come about? It, it, I don't know the whole story. Okay. Which is weird. But <laughs> as I understand it, one of the dudes from Converge wanted to put out a compilation record to help um, with the refugee crisis that was happening around that time. Okay. Um, and so he got this grand idea where he would get all these bands together and they would record, there's going to be an East Coast record and a West Coast record and all the money would go to all these various charities. Yeah. And they got a ton of people like, oh, we want to do it, we want to do it, we want to do it, we want to do it. And then like only like a handful of bands followed through and actually recorded. Yeah. And we were one of the ones that we went, we packed all our shit up, we drove down to the East Bay and yeah. we knocked a song out in a day. Yeah. With Jack at his old studio space. Um, and then the comps never came out. Oh. And so they just let us have the song, okay. which was cool. Yeah. So we just put it out as a single and donated all the money to the same charity yeah. that it was supposed to. I mean, it didn't have anywhere near the impact as it would have with like Converge and yeah, 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 for sure. You know, all these right. other bands being yeah. involved, but we did our part. Yeah. Um, and then we have a. And I guess it depends on which member of the band you ask, but in my mind, it's a demo. Okay. <laughs> a lot of a, there's some argument there that it's an actual like full length recording, yeah. but I feel like the the sinking LP was the very first real recording that we did and that's this one the newest one that yeah the one that's on vinyl How, where did you guys record that at that was recorded here in reno okay with uh colin christensen where's so he's got a studio or he had past okay. tense a studio okay um i think we were the last band to record in it actually. okay yeah and how was so. that experience it was cool yeah. i mean um i hate recording i hate you it do? a lot oh i it's the most miserable part Why? of being in a band for me Why? It's the days are long. You have to go over the, over the whole thing like a million times. Yeah. And you get so sick of hearing your own voice. Yeah. You get sick of hearing, you know, and then there's always little arguments like, oh, we should bring <laughs> that right. guitar part up. Or we should bring that guitar yeah, part down. Or we should do this. We should do that. Yeah. I hate recording. It stresses me out to know. I, lo- I love it. Do I you really? It. Yeah, I love it. I don't like the those parts. Yeah. But I look past them and just, you know, let like the when we recorded, I just let Paul do his thing. I was like, you know what you're doing? Tell us what to do. I'm, I'll leave it in your hands. And if something really stuck out, then I'd say something. But yeah, I get it, dude. Yeah, like, I think I think part of the problem is, and this sounds really weird to say, but you know, like some people think in pictures yeah. and some people think in words. Yeah, I think in math. Okay, and it's weird to try to explain that to somebody, but yeah. I can. I think in math, um, and so. When we're recording, I can hear how all the little bits fit together. Like, I can hear, like, an isolated guitar track and an isolated drum track, and I go, oh, okay, that's how that puzzle fits together. Yeah. And then when you're working with a producer, maybe their vision doesn't match the puzzle that's in your head. Yeah. And I'm very, like, ADHD about a lot of things, and so it's just like... When when my brain kind of gets stuck on something, I'm like, no, no, that's the wrong answer. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's not necessarily wrong. It's just different. Yes. But my brain immediately goes to your fucking wrong. <laughs> so you're the guy in the band. Yeah. I'm the I'm the problem. Yeah, that's awesome. That sucks. That's a burden yeah. as well. So yeah. But, oh well. I mean, you got it done. So did you butt heads? Like, did you have? To... Oh my god, so much. Really? Yeah, not with anybody in my band. It was basically yeah. the band and Colin kind of butted heads over th- certain things, and not bad. Like, it was a yeah. good experience. Right. Like, 
I would I would definitely step into a studio with that guy again. Yeah. I think he did a great job on our record. Yeah. But there was kind of a lot of like uh, I remember one one instance in particular where we we argued over this like thirty second piece of a song for two days. Yeah. Um, so my friend Greg Benick, who sang for the Seattle hardcore band Trial, did a little spoken word part in the middle of one of our songs. Yeah. And it was a big deal for me because I was a fan of Trial before Greg and I were friends. Okay. Like we became friends because I I booked some of his spoken word shows, and then I got to book Trial in Reno. Yeah. Which was a huge deal for me. Yeah. Like, and so I'm friends with with almost every member of the band and. Um, Greg agreed to do this part, and in the original mix, you couldn't hear him. Yeah. And I was just like, well, something's wrong there. We have to be able to hear Greg's part, or there's no point in having yeah. his part there. And it was this big armor. Well, why can't just keep turning him up? And I'm like, well, turn everything else down. Yeah. Well, we, uh, we can't do that, and blah, blah, blah. And then finally, he was just like, fine. And he turned everything down, and it sounded perfect. And I was like, we could have done that two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, dude, I I hear you. I I used to be a lot more anal, but in my older, I'm just like whatever, dude. You know, it, it, as long as it doesn't sound like pure shit, I, I'm like, all right, let's you know. Yeah. But I haven't really had the last experience we had. The guy knew what he was doing, so I didn't really right. have to worry about shit like that. You know what I mean? Right. And so. it, I mean, I wouldn't say Colin didn't know what he was doing. No, no, he definitely I, like yeah. I'm not it saying was just that like, either. It's just... He just he was hearing it different yes. than I wanted right. it to sound. Right. Um, but the, I think a big reason that I was so anal about it, and, and I'm so <laughs> grateful to Colin for having been so patient with me, because I, I can be a dick. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm aware. But I decided not too long before we stepped into the studio, I decided that this is my last band. Like if the scattering breaks up, I'm not I'm not doing this again. Yeah. And so it was the very first time anything I'd ever recorded was going to be on vinyl, and it may well be the last thing I ever record. Yeah. And it, so it was I needed it to be Perfect. exact. Yeah. Dude, I'm right there with you. I think it's this age. We've been working so hard in bands for so long that we're like, I don't ha I can't do it again. Like this is it. I'm putting everything into what I have now. I'm just like you, and I'm yeah. like. If this goes sour, I'm going to join a, a band sitting in the back. I'm not doing anything. I'll be the bass player, and that's it. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, I don't, I don't have the I'm energy. Even, you know? I don't know if I'll even do that. I, yeah. I think once the scattering's done, I think yeah. I'm, I'm a yeah. music fan Yeah. from then forward. I don't think I'm going to be a participant anymore. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah. It's rough, dude. Well, um, so the record came out during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah, it came out April 1st. Um. But Basically, that was—I mean—that was not the intent. Like we, you had no—we didn't. Well, I mean, we obviously didn't. We know. didn't know what was going to happen. It, like, it was just... always supposed to come out April first. Yeah. Because we just thought that was funny. Yeah. Um. But I mean, we had no fucking idea yeah. that the entire world was going to shut down. Yeah, and you yeah. wouldn't be able to play shows for two years. Right. But I mean, it came out right as the pandemic uh, shutdown started. Yeah. So like right as like all the venues were closed, right as all the stores were shutting down, yeah. like we're like, oh great, yeah. Now we have a record, yeah. Um, so we, you've never done a release, never had show. a release show, yeah. No, and I even set aside I think thirty copies that I made special covers for, yeah. That were supposed to be like a record release show yeah. cover, 
that still sucks, have them because we've never done like an official release. Yeah, that's so, yeah. But it's out there. It's out there, yeah. And it's we sold out of one of the colorways already. Oh, okay, that's yeah. Because we did clear and blue, and yeah. the clear are gone. Yeah. So what's next? for the band like you have plans for the band we are working on four new songs right now that i would like to see come out on a 10 inch yeah but it's so expensive i know and but sitting, 10 inch is awesome it's so cool do you have a seven inch no i have a seven inch and a regular i need a 10 yeah to finish yeah. although they do have other sizes that i didn't know about until just recently i thought it was 10 7 and 12 right but i was like now i have a i have a three inch from uh, Gob. Do you remember oh, that, yeah. that old band yeah. from Reno? Yeah. yeah. And it looks like the cover looks like a pack of Ernie Ball guitar strings. Oh, really? Yeah. Can you play it on a regular record player? Mm-hmm. It plays okay. on mine. Okay. You, you, it, as long as your tone arm isn't like an automatic return, yeah. it'll play. Yeah. Um, okay. But I know I would love to put it on a seven inch, but I think it's too long. Yeah. Like just with the songs that we've written, I gotcha. think it's too much. So are you recording them now? Or no, what? we're still in the early stages of writing. Okay. Um, one of them we have played live. The other three are not finished. Yeah, yeah, just tinkering. They're around. just various stages. Like, well, two of them I think the music is done. I just haven't finished the lyrics for. Yeah. And then the fourth one is just still very much a work and it's just all written on a giant race board i don't think we've even yeah, played it i got you so <laughs> but that's that's the next plan yeah and, and we're just not sure like i don't know i'm a little gun shy about putting out another physical release because i'm yeah. sitting on so many copies of, yeah, of the lp for sure um but we might we might do it as a digital only thing or we might do it as like a super limited seven inch like yeah like ridiculously limited cassette we, you know, we did our first demo on a cassette. Oh, yeah, we did cassette and CD for yeah. the first one, um, and we we might have been just a little ahead of the curve, like yeah, you know what I mean? Because I feel like cassettes are making like a huge comeback right I now. I don't know if huge. They're making a comeback. They're making a. Co- it's. <laughs> I mean. But yeah, I know. I mean, shit. Jack White just put his new record know, out on cassette. I know, you know, I know I mean? a lot of people like... too. But you got to think about who you and I are. Right. You know yeah. I mean? like, that's true. Most of my friends don't collect vinyl. Nobody in the band, in my band, I gave them the, the record, the test press, and like, what do I do with this? You know what I mean? So yeah, I don't. It's it's, it's the not... same with us. Like Raj has like a little record collection, and yeah. I think Brian and Jason have our record and no other records. Yeah. So it's the same. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's yeah. the same. Yeah. But the the thing with cassettes, and it used to be true for vinyl until until vinyl exploded, and you know you got every major label putting out vinyl and every huge like yeah. Billboard charting van putting out vinyl. Yeah. But punk bands by design have a very short half life, and in the time it takes now to get a record pressed, we've already written new songs we're not even playing the stuff that's on that recording anymore and so the the nice thing about cassettes is that fast turnaround it's it's so quick you know you can just go okay here's our four songs two weeks later here's our cassettes boom now we're on tour and that's what i'm thinking about doing with us is because you know yeah it takes forever dude and you're right dude that's how punk bands work because we're already like we've been playing these songs for two years I'm like, we got to keep playing these. Right. I'm like, I'm done, dude. Like, let's write some new stuff. But we haven't even played the new songs because the record's not out. It's like, ah, I wish shit was faster, dude. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's dude. so but, slow. And it's like, I got some CDs made. Like, 
Because we, whatever, we could say, complain about this bourbon. Right, it's, right. It's about it's about you, not me. CDs are fast too, though. But I know. but they're such a hard sell. Because I like, know. I don't know anybody who has a CD player. I know more kids yeah. who have tape decks than I do have CD players. Yeah. I don't know. Most even new cars don't come with CDs. I know because everything's streaming. It's weird. So it's... I don't know. We might. We were talking about doing it. We were talking about doing a seven inch with like two or three of the songs. And then the Bandcamp download yeah. would have everything else. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Tell me about your uh, your podcast. So I have a podcast with my friend Holly. from She's a strength coach in Oakland, California. Okay. Uh, the podcast is called Elevation Gains. And it's just we talk about hiking and backpacking and overcoming, like, certain barriers to getting outdoors. Yeah. And, um, we tie a lot of issues that backpackers face directly into her strength training background okay. and her nutrition background and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, the concept of the podcast is to help people who don't feel like they can go hiking, go hiking. Okay. Cause everybody can. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to figure out, okay, what's, what's the barrier that's stopping you? How do we overcome that barrier? And that's what the podcast is about. Do you guys ever talk about backpacking by yourself? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I don't know how people do it. My brother and my dad. And I'm the type of guy, I love camping, but I'll sit in the tent and be like, my mind will wander. <laughs> and I was like, I was telling my son the other day, like, I've slept outside with no tent, you know, backpacking. And I don't know if I could do it now because I'd be like, what's that? What's that noise? Is that bear going to come and grab me? Like, <laughs> I don't know how you guys do it. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do it all the time. I have a whole YouTube channel dedicated to just me hiking alone. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> like, yeah. So. so, do you have any other musical projects besides your band that you do, or is it just just the scattering? I mean, I've been working on like a solo singer songwriter thing yeah. for I don't know twelve years. Yeah. But no one but my dogs has ever heard any of the songs, and I don't know that anyone ever will. So I'd sit there, yeah. sit there in my room and serenade my dogs. <laughs> All right. So, um, what is one of your most prized records that you can think of? Because I know, like being a record collector, there's probably so many. But what is one that you're like? So right off the top of my head, uh, so I have a copy of Voice Sets Fire after the eulogy on red vinyl. Okay. And when that record first came out, the red was supposed to be the most common color, but a whole bunch of boxes got destroyed, and so it ended up being the rarest one. Okay. And I have one. Yeah. I have that red, and I think there's only like like 170 ever. Wow. Yeah. Um, but there were supposed to be like a 1,000. Yeah. And, but a whole bunch of boxes got annihilated in shipping. And so they salvaged what they could from this, you know, what yeah. was supposed because you know how records work. They're like, oh, we're going to put out five different colorways, and this one will be a hundred, yeah. and this one right. will be three hundred, and this one will be a thousand or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, the red was supposed to be the big number yeah. of the first pressing, and they lost a bunch of them, wow. and so it ended up being the most rare. Um, so it's probably either that or I have an original pressing of the. Um, oh God, I've lost the name of the record now. Uh, they just reissued it too. It's Mike Patton, Dan the Automator, Lovage. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. We talked yeah, about. I that. have an original yeah, pressing yeah. of the Lovage. That's cool. Uh, 
that was a promo that I actually got from Mirabelli's. It still has like the promo mark on the corner and everything. Really? Yeah. Mirabelli's had it, 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 vinyl at that point. We would get promo packages with vinyl did in you, them. Did you take home a ton of music? Oh, yeah. God, yeah, that was one of the only perks about store. working in a record store because yeah. the pay is shit. Yeah. That's why I was surprised you were there so long. Yeah. It's like it's hard to leave something that's like your life, dude. Because right. I would love to work at a record store. That was my dream. Like every paycheck, I'd go to Tower Records, man, and just listen. I'd just walk out with so <laughs> many like, you're going to buy all those? Like, yeah, why, why not? Like, yeah. Yeah. I, awesome. I have always lived pretty lean. Yeah. You know, so like. I've never been in a position where I needed to make a ton of money yeah. just to be able to keep my head up. Well, you know, like, yeah. you know, like when my wife and I bought our house, we literally bought the house nobody wanted. Like, yeah. it was beat up and dingy and dirty. Yeah. And, like, we got a smoking deal on it. And then we gutted the whole thing and rebuilt it ourselves, you know, because yeah. I, I used to work in construction and all this stuff. So, like, I mean, we've, and we've always kind of approached life that way where yeah. it's just like, let's just get the least amount of thing that we, yeah. you know what I mean? You don't need a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know? and, it, and a lot of times, like, all that stuff just becomes a burden. I know. I know, dude. Believe me. All right, last last thing I want to talk about. Tell me about that Porno for Pyros record. We, we talked about it. They released, they released this Porno for Pyros record. It was like the first. Oh, so... For Record Store Day, they reissued the first Porno for Pyros album yeah. on vinyl. It had never been on vinyl before because it was one of it was all recorded and mixed and mastered digitally. It was the you said it was like the first one. It was their was? first, yeah. It was their first album. But you didn't you say it was the first album to be released all digital? It was everything? one of the first ones. Oh, okay. I think I think I think the actual first one, if I remember correctly, and Tom Gordon would know this right off the top of his head. But if I remember correctly, the very first one that was like all digital completely was a Aerosmith record. Oh, okay. But Porno for Pirates was in there. It was oh, okay. in that first yeah, yeah. when you know when record companies had kind of stopped making vinyl. At least the big record companies had stopped making vinyl, and all the studios, like the big selling point for all the studios, was like digital, 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 no yeah. tape. You know, it's all digital. And uh, yeah, and so they reissued it on vinyl, which was weird. And then, uh, yeah, because it was set up for it was all set up for digital, it was set yeah, up for digital, yeah. And there wasn't like they didn't have like LP size art yeah. or any, so they just blew up the CD art and it looked terrible and sounded terrible. So, but if you look on Discogs right now, that thing goes for crazy money. Like people want so crazy, this weird dude. repress of a porno for Pyros record. I wonder how many records now are being re-released that were all digital and just sound like shit and they can do it oh, because, tons. They're, because they're huge record labels that that's, have that kind of pull. That's that's probably 90% of what comes out on Record Store Day is just digital transfers to vinyl. Like Makes me mad. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. Yeah. Screw it's it. It's the world we're living in. I know. You know. Everybody wants everything on vinyl and they don't care. Most people... Most people don't care about that kind of stuff. Like guys like how you and me. But how like, do you look for that? Like, how do you know? Do you know, or do you have to buy it and then hear it? And you're like, oh, I I would wager that most records recorded now, and this this is true for my band's record. Most records recorded now were probably recorded digitally. Yeah, they're, they're all put, recorded digitally. But like, we've got a master that's for vinyl. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it's all still no. There was no analog. Right. Yeah. So I mean. My question is, are they just taking the regular digital or are they remastering for vinyl? 
I I'll bet it's about 50 50 because like there's some records I know like you'll see the sticker remastered for vinyl by some famous person yeah uh but I'll bet I would wager that most of the reissues you see especially through record store day are just straight digital transfers but to is vinyl. there a way to, to see if it is before you buy it like I have no idea there isn't right yeah I mean you just gotta go for it unless it says remastered yeah. for vinyl okay it's like, I have no idea but like there's that that record label uh, well that's a generous their reissue label that music on vinyl everything they put out is digital transfer to vinyl but they all sound so good. Oh, okay. Like usually most of their covers look terrible because yeah. it's just pixelated and blown out. Yeah. But whatever they're doing on the mastering end sounds amazing. Uh-huh. But it's all digital transfers. Yeah. Like, yeah all yeah. of it. Almost every reissue you can get right now is a digital transfer to right. vinyl. Right. So. you have it interview with jim what a great guy cool guy go check out his podcast go check out his band he's got some vinyl i bought a copy and uh whatever man just uh let's support each other doing this jim thank you t- for talking to me i hope to um be friends with you uh even more maybe play a show together um go to justpuckitup.com check out the shows there i need to uh i need to update that for dang sure Uh, coming up pretty soon Um, and you know what spread the word let's do some more interviews with cool people Um, I'm doing another interview with another Reno guy and uh, there's a lot of Reno history that uh, is fun talking about so look for that in the future and um, yeah just working on a few things and uh, you know things go slow and fast and slow and fast being so busy but um, it is what it is and uh, reach out to me if you want to do an interview and um if you have an idea for an interview, and uh, I like doing them in person or with microphones. It just sounds better. Take it easy, guys. See you.